Welcome back on this Saturday to Crossing the Jordan. I pray that you are all doing wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in today as we continue our topic of salvation. This is episode 20 of series 18 on the topic of salvation. So just to get the lay of the land of where we've been in this series. At the very beginning, we talked about the gospel. We talked about why God, why is Jesus on a cross? We talked about the restoration of Jesus and uh, right order and right relationship. The personal invitation coming to taste and see the, the, the gift of God. Um, we talked about grace. We talked about uh, saving faith. And we talked about uh, being saved and judged by love. And we talked about our consciences and how it can accuse or excuse. We talked about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about purgatory. We talked about are you saved? Is that a one-time event or is a continuation of God's grace in your life? Or, and then we talked about um, free will, predestination, and the sovereignty of God. And lastly, we talked about sin being the slavery of humanity. So uh, that brings us to today on our topic of penance and mortification. Penance and mortification. I think this is a great continuation of where we talked about last time of how sin, even after being uh, receiving the grace of God, is um, still that concupiscence seeps into our lives and that we still struggle with temptations to sin. And so penance and mortification is perfectly fits in to that continuation of that topic um, because we want to be united to Christ and not to sin. And so with that, um, we have quite a bit of detail to get through today, and I'm going to provide a summary of each part that we're going to talk about. But first, here's kind of the punchline of this whole episode about penance and mortification. So penance and mortification, it really comes through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. As we model the example of Jesus and he his teaching on it is... Um, it's expected in the Christian life to model the new Adam, as we talked about last time, and we'll talk about again later on, as Jesus prayed, fasted, and gave alms, and Jesus teaches it, St. John talks about it, and it's precisely to undo sin and the roots of sin that were modeled at the very first fall, the um, Adam and Eve falling, um, the fall of humanity. So we pray, fast, and give alms. And why do we do that? Well, first, we fast from sin, Second, we fast from the occasions of sin. And third, we fast to discipline and to die to ourselves, to actually practice martyrdom. Well, why do we do that? What are the effects of it? It's sanctification. It's greater union and intimacy with Christ. And we do it for the salvation of others. And the perfect, uh, and we'll talk about all that in the, the fuller detail throughout this whole episode, but there's two key um scripture passages that I love to think of that really summarizes this well. It's Galatians 5.16 and Romans 8.13. Galatians 5.16 says, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And right after that, St. Paul lists out what the works of the flesh are. And he says, do not walk according to the flesh, which will not inherit the kingdom of God, which will not inherit heaven, but a walk according to the spirit. So Galatians 5.16 is do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then Romans 8.13, but by the Holy Spirit, Put to death the deeds of the flesh. So there we go. That's the whole context. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it's always by the Holy Spirit. It's not by our works. It's by cooperating with the Holy Spirit and being obedient and humble and um, and deciding with the Holy Spirit that we will uh, put to death the deeds of the flesh, which is exactly what mortification is, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And it's only by the Holy Spirit. 
So now let's get into the beef of this. So there's really nine points, and each of these points I'm gonna further break out as we go along. But here are the nine points. One is penance and mortification are through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and it's not because we hate the flesh. Remember we talked about last time in this um, in our sin episode, is that Albigensians, those are it was a heresy that the actual flesh, the humanity, is bad. But we know that flesh is not bad. When we talk about um, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, it's our broken um, and our broken human emotions and wills and intellects that are apart from God's grace. So we need need God's grace and actually to be more human. So that's number one. Number two, everybody fasts because we all make decisions. When we say yes to something, we're actually saying no to something else. So in the spiritual life, when our in our relationship with God, is if we choose to sin, we reject God. But if we reject uh, sin, then we are choosing God. Number three, penance and mortification is part of the normal Christian life and it's expected through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Number four, it is not to burden others. It's precisely the opposite. It's becoming more of ourself, becoming more whole of who God has made us to be so that we can actually authentically give fully our, ourselves to God and to others. Number five, in the Christian life, it is only by the Holy Spirit. It's out of obedience and humility to God. And in fact, fasting um, or penance and mortification outside of the Christian life, outside of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is really just self-discipline as a human as, as humans. But in the Christian life, it's by the Holy Spirit. It's obedience and humility to God. Number six, the effects are much like suffering and purgatory. We talked about purgatory and we'll have an episode on suffering and I think two episodes from now. But it's really to purify and heal our hearts and souls more fully. Number seven, we and these are the three that we, um, seven, eight, and nine are what we talked about at the very beginning. We first fast from sin. We get sin out of our lives by the grace of God. Number eight is we fast from temptations to sin, the near occasions of sin. We cut it off. And number nine, we fast to prune and die to self or discipline. Things that uh, we we practice in order to prepare for martyrdom. This is primarily what St. Paul writes about. This is, the, this is that third one because intimacy with Jesus. It's being united to the life, passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus to participate in his life, to become partakers of his love by sharing in his glory in the end. But first, as St. Paul says, it's provided that we suffer with Christ. And now that we've gotten the lay of the land, let's go all the way back to the top, to number, to number one, is that penance and mortification is precisely to correct and um, to discipline the fallen human nature in our humanity apart from God's grace, which comes with even concupiscence after receiving the grace of God and baptism or the other sacraments, or just continuing out our lives in faith um, in the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, the flesh itself, humanity, is not bad. It's the broken desires, the wills, the intellect, the appetite of the flesh, apart from God's grace. So we still have temptations to sin. We still have this inclination to sin. And so it's a battle all life long. And uh, that uh, heresy, that actual humanity is is bad. So like the Albigensians, they said how the our human bodies are bad. It's like that's evil and our souls are good. So we try to escape. So they actually had, they performed severe fast and penance out of hatred for the body. But we know that that is a heresy. Uh, and scripture and Jesus and the apostles clearly teach that our bodies are the Lord's. We are redeemed in our bodies through the incarnation. And at the end of time, our bodies are fully redeemed. We are resurrected. Our bodies will be united to our souls in heaven. And our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
And so therefore, it's the emotions, the intellect, and the wills of humanity broken from sin, apart from God's grace, that is the bad flesh, so to speak, uh, that's spoken of in scripture. So when we deny ourselves in the Christian life or perform penance or mortification, it is not to hate our bodies, but it's actually to deny or to renounce ourselves. And that when Jesus says those who do not deny themselves or renounce themselves or um, even hate their own lives, uh, first he's saying those who do not love me, love Jesus more, to love him more, if there's anything in front of him, even our very lives, and we're not worthy to be his disciple. But when he says that those who do not deny themselves or renounce all that they have, it's precisely, it's actually more so, it's better to think of it as every single thing that we have, it's not mine. It's precisely for the work of Jesus and, the, and for the expansion of the kingdom. So think about it that way. Every single day, whether it's our spouse, our loved ones, our family, our jobs, our house, whatever that we have, when we say, I deny myself or I renounce all that I have, it's actually saying, my wife is not mine. It's, she's Jesus's. So therefore, I actually have to love her even more. It's not renouncing to get rid of. It's renouncing for the sake of detachment, for the sake of Jesus, and to love this per- person actually more authentically because it's not. she's not mine. The, my house is not mine. My money is not mine. Uh, everything that we have is not mine. So that it's precisely because it's Jesus's. We're giving it to the Lord. So with our broken human natures uh, by um, original sin and concupiscence that we have and temptations that we struggle with all life long, this is precisely when, when our desires of the flesh, you know, our wills, our intellect, our emotions, our appetites want to lash out and actually want to choose something that's, that's bad or we're thinking bad things. That's precisely when we take up what we already talked about. We do not gratify the desires of the flesh and to by the Holy Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. And St. Paul even talks about pummeling our bodies. He talks about he pummels his body so that in the end, he would not be disqualified. So it's also for perseverance. So that's number one. Number two is when we're talking about everybody fast because we all make decisions. So um, when we say yes to one, we are saying no to something else. So in the Christian life, in the spiritual life, when we choose sin, we are rejecting God. When we are rejecting sin, we choose God. So fasting, though, isn't simply saying no to something. It's actually saying yes to the greater. It's saying yes to the ultimate truth, good, beauty, everything that is found in Jesus. So the mentality of, you know, when people think of like, oh, you know, I gave up this for Lent and therefore I just don't get to have it. They're looking at something that they gave up. But that is precisely not what we're talking about. That is actually the mentality of the fall is like, I just don't get to have it. Because we see this with Adam and Eve. They were already like God. They had everything. God gave them everything. And yet they had this disbelief in the goodness of God. And so they settled for actually something less. So they knew something was out of, out of order. And they still went after it, trying to become something that they already were. So God, God gave Adam and Eve everything. And they still thought about what they were lacking. And they took it which is what led to the fall. And this is the still still the same mentality that our uh, broken human flesh has. So in Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we've been giving, we have been given everything in Jesus, and yet we in our broken human nature still want to do something outside of the natural law that hurts us and, to, and hurts other people. It makes us less human. We actually go for things that our broken human flesh um, 
will want and it's an appetite for sin and it's outside of our good. It's outside of the truth, beauty, and goodness that God has given us. And so we still have this mentality of, oh, I just don't get to have it. So when we fast, we have to think of, no, I'm giving something up to say yes to something greater, to love more purely, to be united to Christ, to love others. And, um, and not be looking up like, oh, I gave up that piece of chocolate. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but so when we fast in the Christian life, we are not doing it to gain salvation, but it's to help endure and persevere. But in a sense, we are, uh, when we say no to sin or no to the temptations of sin, we are saying yes to Jesus and therefore he is our salvation. But that third stage that we were talking about is like, is being purified, our hearts to be um, um, purified and to have the discipline and to die to self, to be united to Christ and intimacy with him and for the salvation of others. It's really to endure and persevere. So Paul, he pummeled his body to be prepared for his future martyrdom. He stayed alert and he watched. As he said, he does not shadow box. This is real. So he, and he tells us to not use our freedom in Christ for evil because when we actually act out in evil, we would precisely be going under the yoke of slavery again. But our freedom in Jesus is to be free, to authentically love and choose God over everything else. So love does not do the bare minimum. In the Christian life, to love God with your mind, heart, body, soul, everything that you have, all your strength, to love God and to love neighbor as yourself, that whole thing, if we love, we are not going to do the bare minimum because we're united to Christ who gave everything. And that's what we're called to do is to follow in his footsteps as St. Paul, as St. Peter says. So number three is penance and mortification is the normal Christian life and it's expected through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Jesus specifically teaches on this in Matthew 6 when he talks about almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And he doesn't say if you do these things. He says when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast. So it's expected in the Christian life by Jesus himself. And why? Because we model it after him who prayed, fast, and gave alms. And uh, we see it as a teaching of the apostles and we see the Christian community in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, fasting and praying and giving alms. We see the Didache, which is a document called the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles that was dated between 50 and 70 AD. So even earlier than many of the writings of the New Testament itself. We see it talking about fasting and when to fast and how to fast. We see the very early Christians. We see all the saints, all the saints practice penance and mortification because you cannot get to heaven if you do not renounce and die to self (laughs) to live fully in Christ. And whether it's a white martyrdom or a red martyrdom, they died um, to themselves for the sake of Christ and for the sake of love for others. And we still see, uh, we will see today as we're going through this uh, episode that it's clearly encouraged and heavily, heavily practiced by St. Paul and the other apostles. So first, Jesus is teaching. When we talk about when, he says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms. And we talked about this uh, in our last episode too on sin. But we do this specifically because Christ did it and it's to undo the root of all sin from the very first fall of Adam and Eve. And we will see that all sin is just a repetition of this, of these roots of that cause us to sin. This is the root of it that happened at Adam and Eve. And it continues through all of humanity. And Jesus undid that when he battled with the devil. And he also calls us to do the same. So in Genesis three, with the fall, it's the, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, first John two 16 calls that the lust of the flesh. And then she calls it, it was a delight to the eyes. And 1 John 2.16 calls that the lust of the eyes. 
and she saw that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And so 1 John 2.16 calls out the pride of life. And so Jesus and the apostles and their teaching, if you have lust of the flesh, well then fast. If you want to consume, take something for yourself because it was uh, good for food, you know, in that first, in, in that first fall, well then fast from it. If you're battling with lust of the eyes, where, you know, Eve said it was a delight to the eyes. If it's a delight to the eyes, if it's a lust of the eyes, a a temptation to sin, well then give alms, give it away. If you want to take something for yourself, give it away. Or if you have uh, the pride of life, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. If we desire something, we know that it's actually bad, but we want it because it'll suit our needs. Well, if we're battling with pride, which is the root of all sin, well then pray. Why? Because not only are we, when we pray are we rejecting the thing that our flesh wants to take for ourselves out of pride, but we're uniting ourselves to our ultimate and true good that all of our hearts actually desire, which is God. So we're uniting ourselves out of humility that we are completely dependent upon God. So pray, fast, and give alms. And this is after the model of Jesus. Not only does he teach it, but he does it. And what we were talking about earlier, like, love in the Christian life, we don't do the bare minimum. This is precisely like, because Jesus, he's our, he's our brother, our Lord, our Savior, our God, our Redeemer, our, our friend, he calls us. He's our shepherd. He's, he's, um, he's our teacher and our rabbi. And if he's all those things, well, and he, and he's also the, the divine bridegroom and in him, we become all brothers and sisters of God. We, we become, uh, children of the father. So in all those things, well, if those if Jesus is truly all those things to us and we have to make that decision personally, we want to do everything with him and he wants to do everything with us. That's why he took on human flesh. And this is why uh, in this teaching too, like he's not just saying, hey, because God did not come to the world just to teach us what to do. He actually took on human flesh <laughs> to show us how to do it and give us the grace to do it. So uh, he wants to be united to us. We be united to him because love does not do the bare minimum. Love is united and does it together. So in Luke chapter four, after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that drove him out into the desert. And after 40 days in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. And so he prayed and fasted during those 40 days and he was disciplining his his humanity to be united to God. And what does the devil one say? What does, the, what does the devil, the evil one say to him? He says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And this is exactly what we see at the very beginning. This is the lust of the flesh. And this is very natural too, because Jesus said he was very hungry after 40 days and yet he fasted. He fasted and this is to battle the lust of the flesh. And then the devil takes him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to you, Jesus, I will give all this authority and their and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall be yours. This is the lust of the eyes. He sees all the kingdoms of the world and Jesus, this is what he to battle. He gives it away because why? Because it's really all Jesus. It's really all God. It's all for him. But the devil, as a fallen human creature, is allowed by God to actually tempt and um, and to really infiltrate humanity. And it, so, it's but it's really all God's. And guess what? God, Jesus gives it away. He he actually gives alms. He gives it away to the Father right then and there. He's like, no, I'm doing this God's way. And then lastly, the devil tempts him with the pride of life. He says, then he took him up to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, the angels charge of you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And what does he do? He prays. He responds with the word of God and all of these. He responds with scripture, but 
he prays, it's he humbles himself that um, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So again, Jesus, he was tempted with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And what did he do? He fasted, he gave alms, and he prayed. And this is why he calls us to do that. This is why First John tells us to do that. It's to undo the works of the first fall and to undo the works of the devil. And this is why on on Fridays, we don't just give up meat or we give up something during Lent. No, our true fasting prayer and almsgiving should be looking at not just what we're giving up, but we're saying no to something that is maybe even a good, but it's a lesser good than God. What is keeping us away from God? And what do we actually truly in the, into being united with Jesus? What does Jesus want us to pray, fast, and give alms? What does he want to pray, fast, and give alms through us in? So we don't just give up meat on Fridays. We don't just fast during Lent to give something up. We don't do this simply out of some nice piety uh, because Jesus died on a Friday. No, it's, and that is nice piety. That is nice respect. But we actually join in with him on that by uniting ourselves to him on that Good Friday. Because it's precisely then also, this is when he was also tempted. So he was, he was tempted with in the desert when he began his ministry, but he is also tempted throughout his whole life probably. But also he was tempted at the very end when it became to actually uh, humble himself and go to the cross even death on a cross. And this is precisely when, what does he say? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And so this is precisely like on Good Fridays when we give something up. It's not just to don't eat meat because Jesus died on this day and he gave his flesh for the world, although that is true. But it's precisely to unite ourselves to him out of intimacy with him, to be united to him, to have his life living in us. It is the spirit that is willing. It is the flesh that is weak. And so it is to our, it's to abandon ourselves to God completely, and as St. Paul says, to crucify the flesh. So in crucifying our flesh means to crucify our broken wills and our desires so that our body would actually reign with the will of the spirit. So we are under the law of freedom. We are under the law of the spirit. We are under um, the law of Christ, which is perfect love and uniting ourselves to him ever more fully. This is why we pray fast and give alms after he did. And we should not just be doing this on Fridays and during Lent, um, even though we should have a particular uh, emphasis on that, I guess. But I think this should be an everyday, uh, every all year around reality is to unite ourselves more fully to Christ and ask him, what do I need to give up to be more united to you in your life, passion, death, and resurrection for me? <laughs> and uh, so that's number three. That is part of the normal Christian life. Number four, it is not to burden others. So it's precisely the opposite, right? It's to become more whole as ourselves, as human beings. It's to become more human, more godlike. To is to give ourselves more purely to God and to others. And guess what? In order to give ourselves more purely to God and to others, we actually need God. <laughs> and that this is precisely why we pray, fast, and give them. This is why we have we perform penance and mortification is to become more like God, to be more united to Him, to say no to the other things that are contrary to Him. So. Our, but our penance and mortification through those different prayers, fastings, or almsgiving options, it should never be a burden on anybody else. So we do this precisely so we are more of ourselves to give life to our flesh and the people around us. In other words, as examples during Lent, if you get cranky and bad headaches because you're giving up coffee and you have a wife and kids to take care of, um, you're being a burden on, <laughs> on your family. If you are um, trying to give something up that just makes you irritable or 
um, you're doing things that actually puts more burden on your family. So for the, for an example, you know what? I'm just going to fast from meat all uh, Lent long. Well, and then your wife is the one that actually makes the dinner anyways. So she's got to find food for you. You're just becoming more of a burden on her. And so our um, our penances and mortifications should never be to burden others. And actually, as you know, as uh, Jesus himself says, when you do these things, um, do it in secret and do not have your face look dismal, right? So we are not supposed to be doing this for other to, for other people to know. Like, and we'll talk about this in a, in a second here as well, but it's not out of pride. Um, and that's actually precisely the opposite of the purpose of penance and mortification is to humble ourselves. And therefore, it is to do it interiorly and to um, give ourselves more fully. So for example, if you don't like doing the dishes or going to get the groceries, instead of having your wife do it, you actually choose to do it. <laughs> it's actually in a way, try to help other people with your prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to reach out to others. So that's number four. It's not a burden to others. Number five, it is only by the Holy Spirit. It is only by obedience and humility to God. And how do we have obedience and humility to God? Well, it's to the word of God that is interpreted through the magisterium that God has given us as the one who receives divine revelation and um, and is submitted under the authority of the word of God, both in scripture and in tradition. But it's also to our legitimate superiors when they are in alignment with God. Obviously, we never uh, listen to anything that is contrary to um, God's will, right? As St. Peter says, we have to obey God rather than men. But in other places, they talk about honoring the emperor, right? Why do we do that? It's because we see we are abandoned to God's divine providence so that in whatever situation that we cannot control, we see it as God's will because he, he's at least allowing it to happen. Even if it's bad, he's allowing it to happen. So God in that time wants to use it for something good to come out of it for one, but also to purify our hearts and our intentions. So we're struggling with something and we actually abandon ourselves to divine providence out of humility and obedience to purify our hearts. And the legitimate superiors would be uh, bishops for priests or religious. They, you know, they make a vow of obedience to go wherever they tell them to go and do whatever they tell them to do. This is the greatest form. And actually, Jesus even talks about this when he appears to to saints is that do everything with the, the out of obedience for their bishop. Um, children, it's obeying their parents, right? It is the, the one positive commandment for to loving our neighbor is to honor your father and your mother. Or um, obeying, in a way, uh, the needs of our spouse, the needs of our family. And this is very pruning because once you get into those relationships, even in the context of religious life, I've heard a, a story before about this monk who is cloistered. And he says, the very the hardest thing about living in community is living in community, is to being able to put up with other people, brothers and sisters. And in family life, you used to realize really fast that your life is not your own. You do not have uh, time or um, you, you just can't do every single thing that you want to do on your own time. Your life is for other people. So it prunes your heart to be able to allow interruptions. And this was St. Therese's great way that we'll talk about. But St. Therese's great way was to put up with um, other people, even other people that we might find annoying, <laughs> to be patient to be gentle, to smile at people, to love people, regardless of their little quirks or things or your art, you know, that go against our pet peeves, but to silently embrace people. And so in all the context of relationships, it's 
putting people first. And it's so uh, purifying and pruning. This is the beauty of vocation. It's for service, but it's also for our salvation and sanctification because our life is not our own. And in those times where we have to die to self, where we may want to do something for ourselves, but our families, our wives, our children, our husbands, our, um, you know, our brothers and sisters around us need something. Well, that's what God's will right there is to deny my, to deny ourselves, even if whatever we want to do for the sake of love, for the sake of others. And this is purifying and pruning because it's hard and we need God's grace. And this is only by the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, listening to a lot of Catholic radio, you'll get other Christians to call in and say, well, I don't fast because Jesus did, so I don't have to. That is not the Christian message. That is not the message of Jesus. That is not the message of the apostles. That is not the message of the New Testament. That is not the message of tradition. That is not the message of 2,000 years, the life and the holiness of God's grace of living in people. It's precisely Christ's life in us by the Holy Spirit. So fasting is the work of Jesus. In fact, any work at all, including any prayer, fasting, or almsgiving that is just self-discipline outside of the Christian life, it's not efficacious, it's not salvific, it's not meritorious um, if you're not in a state of grace of Jesus. So it's only by the Holy Spirit that we do that, right? So, you know, St. Paul in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Christ's life is a life of life, his passion, his death, and his resurrection. So we are wanting to be united to him. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit, then it's nothing. (laughs) So fasting is by the Holy Spirit, not by us. It's out of obedience and humility, not by our own desire, because oftentimes that can be misled and prideful. Um, And we do it by the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit want us to do? What actually seems like the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and this is going to be difficult because I don't want to, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to get up this early to pray. I don't want to do these things. These are the times where um, we rely completely on the grace of the Holy Spirit. So we are not to be confused about um, an inspiration of the Holy Spirit if we feel like doing it all of a sudden, which can be a part of it. But sometimes it's more likely than not, especially when you grow in the Christian life, when you move on to that spiritual solid food, the maturity in the Christian life. Oftentimes it's precisely when our flesh doesn't want to do something, but we know that God is calling us to do it. Then that's our time to be poor in spirit, because then we are filled with God's strength, his grace, and he is the one who is going to do this in us. So we live according to the spirit and with Christ and to obey. So it's not by us, it's by the Holy Spirit. And um, why? Because oftentimes if we take on penance and mortification, it does the exact opposite of what we're actually trying to do. Because remember what we said, it's out of humility. Well, if we choose our own penance and mortifications, um, which is a good thing, but we have to prayerfully discern what God is calling us to. But if we choose it like, oh, I just want to do this, which I have done before a lot. I'm tempted to do that. That actually feeds into into pride. It's like, look at me. Here's an example of St. Faustina. St. Faustina, and she already had very serious penances, but she took on an extra penance. And I forget what it was, but it was very serious. And she actually came to her uh, confessor and her spiritual director, basically thinking that they, she was going to get like praised from them. Like they're they going to be proud that she did this on her own desire. And she's going to, is going to show like that she wants to uh, be purified and to, um, for the salvation of others. But actually the confessor or her spiritual director had the exact opposite. I didn't tell you to do that. Nobody gave you permission to do that. And you're feeding into the possibility of our pride lashing out because precisely she was like kind of proud that she did this penance, right? So it's the same thing with us. 
It's humility and obedience. So I'll give you my own personal example. This is precisely when I was learning all of these things about penance and mortification and about the lives of the saints and this example of St. Faustina. I went to confession and I thought, you know, I'll probably get, you know, a more serious prayer. And the priest specifically said, I'm going to give you just one hour father. And in the flesh and thinking like kind of out of pride, I there is a tendency to want to do more for a penance. Like, no, 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 I, I need to do more. No, exactly what I was given, exactly what I should be doing. I'm going to say that one, our father. <laughs> so as I said before, feelings do not necessarily indicate an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which they can. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does uh, rise up feelings in us, but love is not just feelings, right? Because if love was based on feelings, then all of our relationships will be broken, but we are choosing to the will to will the good of the other. That's true love, and so uh, we know if we are move, being moved by the Holy Spirit, if we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, and we are choosing love and the greatest strength of uh, the greatest gift of ourselves to others. And it's also a gift when God removes those consolations or those or, or those feelings because He's actually purifying us even further and asking us to choose Him even apart from the consolations to choose God as opposed to I'm going to choose God because I feel consoled by Him or I just choose for the sake of the consolation. No, even when that is removed and we see this in the lives of the saints, it's precisely an opportunity to choose God for who He is and um, regardless of our feelings. And so, and all this is done with a smile. And done interiorly. So in Matthew 6, Jesus says, When you do these things, do not look dismal. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And go into the secret place of your heart and pray with your Father who sees in secret. So all of these things. And by the way, he's not saying uh, to not do, do things publicly because he actually says just uh, you know earlier before that to do things publicly so that people will give glory to our Father in heaven. But this is precisely the life of a Christian is to let our light shine, but all of um, all of these things we do interiorly, especially when we get we give alms, pray, or um, or fast. It's we do it, but we don't let others do it to become haughty or proud. And then, uh, lastly, before we actually get into examples of fasting of sin, fasting from temptations, and fasting uh, to prune or die to self or discipline, the last thing I want to talk about is. The effects of it is much like purgatory that we already talked about and much like the like suffering that we will talk about in two episodes from now. It's to purify and heal our hearts and our souls fully. So as we talked about in um, as we talked about in purgatory is you've already been given the gift of eternal life in purgatory, right? You're not it's not a second chance. You have already been given the gift of eternal life in purgatory and it's dealing uh with the things of our hearts that are still attached to things um, or the temporal consequences of sin. So for example, we might if we steal something, we are completely divided of the person that we stole something from. And we are not one with, with each other, right? But if we ask for forgiveness, then there can be reconciliation. But there's still something missing because we still haven't given it back. That'd be pretty weird to go and apologize, but to not give something back. So Penance and mortifications and suffering that God allows for us to have is to purify our hearts. It's actually um, the temporal consequences of sin is to um, to deal with those consequences and to heal, to fully heal. And um, and this is why it's only by the Holy Spirit, it's by his grace. And so this is why we actually get penance after confession. It's to begin healing the temporal consequences of sin, to live according to the Spirit and to put to death by the Spirit the deeds of the flesh. So, 
Um, when we are absolved, Jesus forgives us of those eternal consequences of mortal sins. But we are given a penance so that it strengthens our wills. We It helps us to pray fast or give alms, to give something away in order to be united more fully to Christ so that our hearts can be more pure here and now to battle t- the temptations to sin. So it's to deal with the temporal consequences. But it's also for three other things. It's for our sanctification and holiness through intimacy with God in Jesus. And number two, it's for our intention, our intentions, our heart to be purified, to be set only on God. And number three, it's for the salvation of others. And so let's first talk about it's for our sanctification and holiness through intimacy with God in Jesus. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse verse 5, the author says this, Have you forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have heard, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time at their pleasure, at their pleasure. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful, rather than pleasant. Later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So here we see clearly in Hebrews talking about discipline, being chastised, uh, um, being pruned and being disciplined by the Lord precisely as children in order to share in his holiness and to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So intimacy and union with God. And uh, just reading Proverbs recently, and uh, I love this verse, Proverbs twenty thirty, Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. And then St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 23-27, he talks about um, disciplining himself so that he can endure and out of uh, his sanctification and holiness and intimacy with God and Jesus. He says this, I do all of this, which he, right before uh, verse 23, he talks about how he became all things to all men that he might save some. To the Jews, he became Jews. To those under the law, he became under the law and so on. But he says this, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. Well, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, and this is beautiful because talking about discipline, we discipline ourselves for everything, for work, for our diets, for our health, for, um, for when we were, when we were, when I was an athlete, when we were athletes and trying to compete for things, we have discipline and in the spiritual life, how much more because it's for an imperishable wreath. So we pummel our bodies and subdue it. Lest after preaching to others, we ourselves may be disqualified. So we discipline ourselves out of uh, our, for our sanctification and holiness and through intimacy with God in Jesus. And the second one was for our intentions to be purified. 
We have two scripture verses for this. First is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. And this is when uh, St. Paul says he's actually being, um, you know, he's suffering from this thorn in the flesh that was from Satan. So he's having these like strong temptations or he's having these like battles um, just internally or with physical uh, with physical issues. And he's asking the Lord to heal him. He said, three times I begged the Lord about this, that it may, that it should leave me. But God, but Jesus said to me, my, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So St. Paul talking about here, the beautiful life of our hearts being purified, our intentions to be purified. So that actually things that um, our penances, our mortifications, these things that actually cause us to suffer is precisely so that we rely completely on grace to become poor in spirit so that the power of God, that the, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. And then we are content. And this is actually, uh, I'll flip to Philippians 4.13. You know, this is the, the famous passage that everybody has like tattooed, <laughs> tattooed on their bodies is that in Jesus, in all things, um, we can do all things in him who strengthens us. But the context is actually uh, when we are suffering or in abundance. And this is what the secret that St. Paul tells us. So I'm going to read, um, he starts in verse 11 in chapter 4 of Philippians. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. So the very context is St. Paul knowing the secret that um, our hearts are purified because we only want Jesus when we face all these things and we know how to be in abundance or in wants to be uh, rich or in poverty. We know how to do all these things because it is Jesus that we want. And in Jesus, we can do all things, which means that we can persevere and endure by his grace through any and all circumstances, keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. And the and then the last thing is for the salvation of others. In Colossians one twenty four. St. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So here St. Paul is talking about his sufferings, his penances, his mortifications, the things that he that he suffers um, in his apostleship. He rejoices in them. One, again, to purify his intentions, right? Because he says, like, he rejoices in it so that the power of Christ may rest upon him to be poor in spirit, to rely on his grace but also to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Not that Christ didn't suffer and die uh, or suffer enough. No, it's our participation in his life. This is the whole context in the Holy Spirit participating in the life of Christ and his life in us. And so he fills it up for the sake of his body that is the church. So here St. Paul is saying that the that not only is suffering, penance, mortifications, salvific and sanctifying um, for ourselves and to our hearts to be purified, but also it's powerful for the salvation of others that we can, in union with Christ, suffer for the salvation of others. So in short, the effects of this is much like how we talk about purgatory in the past and suffering that we're going to talk about in the future, um, to purify and heal our hearts and souls fully and for um, for the salvation of others. So suffering and penance is more like purgatory, not hell. So when people say they're living in, in hell, well, hell is 
way worse than people think it is. But also, hell is the reality of sin. So if we're sinning, then we may be participating in the life of hell here on earth. But really, suffering and penance is life of love um, through suffering. And we're united to Christ. So it's much more like purgatory and not hell. So lastly, we're going to get into a lot of uh, scripture um, about fasting from sin, fasting from temptations, and fasting um, and pruning to die to self or discipline ourselves. So fasting from sin. As we already said, Galatians 5.16, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And St. Paul goes on to list all the sins of the flesh that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus himself says in John 8.34, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And St. Paul similarly says in Romans 6.16 that you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we need to fast from sin. Sin takes us straight to hell. Fast from sin. That is not the life of, of humans. That is not the life of grace. That is not the life of a Christian. Next, we fast from temptations to sin. So Jesus in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18, he talks about if you're if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus is telling us to fast from sin and even the temptations or the near occasions of sin because sin separates us from God and ends us, ends us up eternally separated from God. So we fast to say no to even the temptations to sin, to stay united to Christ. And it's not us. It's Christ who's living in us again, right? And so when we fast from sin and we fast from temptations, do you watch Netflix and do your thoughts begin to run to turn to lust or greed or pride? Get rid of it. When on the internet, do we tend towards laziness and scrolling or gossiping and thinking bad about others or judging others? Get rid of it. Does social media get you angry or give you a worldly anxiety? Get rid of it. Does being at the bar make you have a loose tongue and swear more or get drunk? Get rid of it. Does music make you think violent thoughts or fantasize about women or money or possessions, get rid of it. Are you tempted late at night on your phone? Get rid of it. And actually, this is precisely when God brought me the greatest freedom, is when he would allow these temptations to come back really strong. He says, rejoice, as St. Paul says, rejoice in your sufferings. And this is why I got on my knees and I rejoiced. I thanked and I laughed at the temptation. I turned my eyes on Jesus and I got on my knees and said, thank you, God, that you're allowing this to happen because you're going to bring a greater, you're going to bring about even greater freedom and healing in me. So I rejoice in my weakness with a smile and a laugh. And I say, yes, I cannot overcome this temptation without you, God. You're taking me to a new level so that you are my strength. So we don't just sit there bored if we're fasting from all these things. No, we go after something else. We pray, we get, we pick up scripture, we talk to others, we reach out to others, we worship, we encounter people and not things. And that's the key. We encounter people and not things, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we encounter people that we love. Um, we go after people's hearts. So when people are like, oh, I was bored all during COVID, I was just watching Netflix, my heart kind of hurts. It's like, the life of a Christian is filled with joy no matter what. And so we should be picking up scripture, praying, reading, praise and worship, reaching out to people, encountering people and not things. And I also heard recently a beautiful quote uh, just about um, God at first, it, he wants to give you the grace of perseverance as opposed to overcoming. If you feel like you can't overcome a temptation or a sin, first, as we said, cut it off. Do everything that you can. Even in Hebrews, it talks about how you have not 
um, resisted temptation or resisted sin to the point of sweating blood. Because why? Because that's what Christ did in Gethsemane. He sweated blood, but not as I will, Father, but you will. So first off, cut it off, do every single thing that you can and will it and ask for God's grace. But also, if you fall, Praise the Lord for his mercy, his grace, and actually God wants to give you the grace of perseverance to get back up again. Um, and he might be wanting to give you that perseverance to overcome that sin more than just taking out the temptation of your life. So if that temptation comes up, um, rejoice and get on your knees and thank the Lord, smile and laugh at the temptation and ask God to be all your strength that you cannot do it without him, to, yes, Lord, you're humbling me. You're showing me that I cannot be prideful and do it on my own. I need you. But also, we have the power to cut off temptations to sin. So cut it off if it's taking us away from the Lord. And the last one that we're going to talk about is fasting or uh, penance and mortification, precisely to continue pruning, to die to self and to discipline, but actually to be even more united to Christ, to practice uh, martyrdom, to die to self, right? So that the life of Christ can live within us. And um, this is primarily what St. Paul talks about is this unification with Christ so uh, united to him that it's past, you know, fasting from sinning or fasting from temptations to sin, which is still um, obviously the first and foremost importance. But the life of a Christian is still um, uniting yourselves every single day to uh, Christ and him crucified. So, um, and this is what we were talking about earlier, the effects. Um, this is primarily what, where the effects come in is the temporal, the it deals with the temporal consequences of sin. It's our sanctification and holiness through intimacy with God and Jesus. It's our intentions to be purified. It's set only on God apart from any feelings and it's for the salvation of others. So this is primarily where it comes in. And this is the part where it's more than just fasting from sin or temptations, but it's fasting from even the things that are good or things that we can uh, deny ourselves for to give um, to give even more purification to our hearts and love of Jesus and for love of others. So in this case, it's not only just saying no to something, but it's also saying yes to something. So it's honestly, a lot of times it's doing things that we don't precisely feel wanting, like we have this desire to do. Like, I don't want to go get the groceries, but I choose to go do it out of love for my wife. Um, I don't want to uh, get up early in the morning to pray, but I'm going to set my alarm half hour earlier and I'm actually going to get up right away. I'm going to do it out of love for Christ. So it's all these things that we can do. And when we do these things that we typically uh, don't want to do for the sake of Christ is practicing martyrdom. It's dying to self. It's saying no to the flesh and saying yes to love. So that when we actually, um, and it's for the sake of perseverance and endurance as well, because then it actually becomes the time of what if later on when we actually are tempted or persecuted, we know exactly what to do to stay in Christ and to persevere. It's our hearts is already it's our hearts have already been trained and pruned to uh to like Saint Paul says is to not gratify the desires of the flesh, but to live in a in accord with the spirit. And so we aren't renouncing goods or our lives for the sake of renouncing, but to acknowledge that they are not ours. We belong to Jesus and we are his. So this is why we even fast from goods because we train ourselves to use all goods in proper order and for the use of the king and his kingdom and not for our own end or the end of the of the food itself, so to speak, right? Is if we're fasting from food because if we become our ends or even the fasting becomes the end, we're, that's idolatry. But we're doing it for the sake of, of Christ. We're doing it for the sake of love. So we even give up good things because we are striving after the ultimate good, God himself, 
who is the truth, the way, and the life in Jesus. So penance and mortification keeps us detached from even earthly goods and attaches us only to God, to focus on God, to to have our heart's disposition to only be focused on God regardless of the situation. It really keeps us in check because if we look back at the life of the old Israel, they would fall back into idol worship. They would be saved by God time and time again, and every single time they'd fall away. Why? Because they weren't keeping their eyes focused on the divine bridegroom, the 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 God who's chosen them, the almighty God who have given them life and love. And so uh, doing penance and mortification and really choosing God over every single thing, even in the Christian life, helps us avoid or prevent of our lives going back to the way that they were before Christ. So it keeps us rooted in Christ and growing in Christ, growing in maturity, growing from glory to glory. So we take Christ seriously. We choose every single day to freely pick up our cross and follow after him. This isn't a, the life of grace isn't 50% us, 50% God, and it's not 0% and 100% of the other. No, it's 100% and 100%. At the wedding of Cana, when Mary told the servants to do whatever her son tells them to do and to fill up those six Jewish uh, purification jars to the brim with water, Jesus performed the miracle. Grace perfects nature. So, And when Peter and Paul healed people, when they said they were healing people, it was Christ in them, but it was 100% Christ and 100% them. They chose, Christ worked. And it's the same thing with us. We are free human beings, so we can 100% choose. It is 100% our choosing, but is 100% God's grace living in the life of the of love in Christ. And so we take Christ very seriously. And we, as we said earlier, we follow the model of Christ, but we're united to Christ as well. So Jesus fasted in the desert, and he fasted in Gethsemane, and he fasted at the cross. He was penance and mortification. As he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in his humanity, his entire life, he already had an interior life that was always doing the will of his father. So when that day actually came um, for the cross, he revealed physically what his heart's disposition always was. In other words, he always had the heart of doing the will of his father and to loving all humanity. And it was, it was just expressed in a specific way on the cross physically. But And that's the same thing for us is that when we deny ourselves, when we prune and we when we deny ourselves for the sake of Christ and we put the death the deeds of the flesh and we become united to Christ, it's precisely every single day practicing the martyrdom of ourself and crucifying the flesh and saying yes to the spirit. So that when that day actually does come, if we ever actually have to face a red martyrdom where we have to give our, our life for somebody or for the gospel, we can actually do it because we've already been doing it in our hearts our entire lives, every single day. And even in our prayer, a lot of times we come to God asking him to bless us. We want him to be conformed to our image, but no. And our prayer needs to come out of humility and we want to be conformed to your image, God. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the lives of the saints. Um, They practiced fasting and penances every single day to prepare for martyrdom. The martyrs didn't just one day have this courage on a single day, um, disciplining their human emotions and their wills to fall under the spirit. Um, and that's actually what a disciple means is to be under the discipline of Jesus. So St. <clears throat> Maximilian Colby, for example, every single day, he fell under the, under the discipline of Jesus that he denied himself. He sacrificed, he made penances every single day for the sake of love and this, for the sake of others. Um, and so when that day came, when he was in Auschwitz in World War II as a Catholic priest and a 
person runs out of the camp and the uh, Nazis say, we're going to teach you all a lesson. We're going to select 10 people to uh, kill in this camp today because of what this other person did. They call this Jewish, this Jewish father up and he begs and pleads for his life. Please, I'm a father. I'm a husband. And say, Maximilian Colby, he steps up and says, take me instead of him. And I say, why? Because I'm a Catholic priest. And so that man who was, his life was physically saved while St. Maximilian Colby gave his, because St. Maximilian Colby had that courageous, had that courage in his heart all his entire life where it became to this day where he could actually sacrifice his entire life physically for the life of another person. This is the life of a martyrdom of a life of a martyr. And he was, so he was able to do it because he practiced it his entire life. And that same person that he saved was there when St. Maximilian Colby was canonized a saint. This is the life of grace. And so, and also uh, pruning ourselves, it assists to actually actualize all the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are poor in spirit, those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake. And blessed are us when men revile us and persecute us and utter all kinds of evil against us falsely on on Jesus' account. Rejoice and be glad, for our reward is great in heaven. So the life of the Beatitudes are actualized in the life of penance and mortification in Christ because our flesh, our broken flesh, doesn't want to be poor in spirit. It wants to be prideful. It doesn't want to mourn. It wants to seek everything to be happy in this life. And that means even at the cost of other people. So uh, we don't want to be meek. Meek literally does not mean weak. It means somebody with great power and channeling it. And it's, it's, it was used in the term of breaking in a horse. So these wild, powerful stallions would now be channeled in to be harnessing that power in a particular way. And our flesh doesn't want to do that. Um, we don't want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want the easy way. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Our flesh doesn't want to be merciful to others. We want to take revenge. We want to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Blessed are the pure in heart. How many people can say we are pure in heart? Nobody except for those who are living a life in Jesus by grace. And so all of these, to live a life of the Beatitudes, you have to die to self. You have to humble yourself. You do have to... uh, um, associate with the lowly, associate with those who mourn. You do have to serve the poor. You do have to become uh, meek by humbling yourself and putting any power that we have at the feet of Jesus and actually become poor in spirit that acknowledge that we have nothing without you, God. We need you. <laughs> we need you, Jesus. We need your grace. We need your life every single day. And so the 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 life of penance and, and of mortification is denying yourself and living out these beatitudes every single day, it actualizes them. And as we talked about in the in the episode of sin, we sin in our thoughts, in our words, in our emotions, our actions, and in our, and in our omissions, right? Oh, omissions meaning like we didn't actually do something that we know that we should have done, right? So we sin in all these ways. And so we fast, we do penance, we pray, we give alms, we do these penances and mortifications precisely to put the, to death by the Spirit these thoughts, these words, emotions, actions, omissions, to death. 
so that the life of Christ can live in us. And one thing I'd like to point out about those, about discerning and examining all of our thoughts, words, emotions, actions, and omissions, a lot of times it starts in our thoughts. What do we believe? What do we know? How do we think? And this is all about what Jesus said. His first his first words about in Mark were, repent and believe in the gospel. So repent, change your mind, change the way that you think. And St. Paul says, we hold all thoughts captive to Christ. So every single thing that we do comes through the fullness of the heart, which is developed typically by the way that we think. And St. Paul, he says this in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so therefore, Jesus St. Paul in scripture is very clear that a lot of times it starts in our thoughts. And this is where we do need to repent and to hold all thoughts captive to Christ and to put to death the deeds of the flesh in our thought life. So when we think something that is contrary or we judge somebody else, Jesus, give me a truth. (laughs) Is this the lie? Okay, I renounce this lie in Jesus' name. Jesus, give me the truth. Oh, she was actually being an incredible mom as opposed to uh, being um, slow and being on her own time. No, like let's hold all thoughts captive to Christ. And another great concrete uh, reality to to see what's operating in our lives and to really put to death the deeds of the flesh in all these ways are looking at the seven deadly sins and the seven lively virtues to combat those sins. So again, fasting and praying, uh, fasting and uh, praying and giving alms or these penances and mortifications are not for the sake of you just giving something up, but it's for the sake of being free and it's for something. It's for the sake of love. So we're actually doing something. So think about the seven deadly sins. Pride. We combat pride with uh, humility. We combat envy with admiration. So envy is feeling sorrow for another person's good, but it, we actually combat that with admiration. We actually give thanks to God and we admire other people's goods that they have in them. Um, the third deadly sin, anger. We combat that with forgiveness. Instead of being anger and having wrath, we forgive. Uh, another deadly sin, sloth, where we're lazy. We combat that with the virtue of zeal. Like Jesus, give me the zeal to go after the things of the kingdom, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The deadly sin, avarice or greed. We combat that with generosity. Instead of taking for ourselves, we give things away. We're generous in our giving to other people, our time, our money, our talents, whatever it is. Instead of a a deadly sin of gluttony, we practice uh, self-discipline. Instead of taking in and whatever whatever we want, we actually practice uh, temperance, doing things in right order at the right time in the proper ways. And the last deadly sin is lust, taking things for ourselves and using things or people as an objective physical pleasure but we live in uh, the lively virtue is chastity. So we combat all these deadly sins by living a life of virtue. So we go after these um, lively virtues. Just Google them, lively deadly, seven deadly sins and seven lively virtues, and you'll find them and take a screenshot and put it on your phone. Remind yourself, and do I have any of these operating in our lives? And yes, we do in our flesh. And, and then we try to combat that by living out the virtues and asking Jesus for the grace to do it. And I'll give you an example of something that uh, really was um, in my heart. (laughs) So recently, I felt like, you know, we were praying about the seven deadly sins. And, you know, I was dealing with pride or envy or anger, just getting like angry about situations or judging other people. Um, And even at times, just feeling like sloth, like I don't want to do these things. Like I got to combat all of these things, right? But actually, when in prayer, Jesus showed me one that I was not expecting at all. 
he said gluttony. And I was like, Lord, like, what am I indulging in? Because I feel like from a eating and drinking perspective and all that stuff, I feel like I have pretty good balance and everything. But he showed me that I was making unnecessary things necessary. In other words, I was trying to constantly read articles, listen to podcasts, um, get caught up on readings, things I wanted to do. And these are all good things. They're all related to the spiritual life. They're all really good things. But it was what it what was happening by that feeling of, oh, I got to listen to this podcast. I got to listen to this thing. I need to read whatever it is. What was happening was that it was eating up time and distracting me away from things at work during the day, things in the morning and things at night to be with my family, to actually be present. So to combat that, he asked, he showed me like, I need to be more temperate. Temperate is again, doing things in the proper time in the proper order. So this last week or two, I've really been asking the Lord for the gift of temperance and doing things in the proper time in the proper order. And it's been so freeing. I've felt, I felt so much more present, a better listener, more attentive, more productive and all these things. And I wasn't making the unnecessary things necessary. So the temperance that I was, uh, that the Lord was, um, working up in me, I had to fast and I had to do penance and mortification of, okay, I'm not going to pick up my phone and read all these things. I'm not going to pick up my phone and listen to these podcasts. I'm going to set my phone down and be present to work. I'm going to set my phone down and be present to my wife. I'm going to set my phone down and be present to the moment. I'm not going to listen to all these things and feel like I need to check all these things off my list. And that piece um, that came with that, like rejected all the anxiety that came along with feeling like I needed to do all that. So it was just so freeing. So in this case of fasting and pruning and being abandoned to divine providence, we see everything from God's perspective and even see bad things that are happening, these things that we cannot control around us. God is inviting us to humble ourselves, live the Beatitudes, live out the virtues, and to die to self and to live a life in the spirit, to not gratify the desires of the flesh. And even things like insults or taking corrections from family um, or, you know, whatever it might be, like, in those instances throughout the day, like I had that, like when I first got married and, you know, we we're learning how to live with each other and to, uh, cooperate with each other at times, it was really tough because I wanted to correct everything. Like, no, that's not what I said or I meant, or, um, no, this is not how I want to do it. Or I like, that's not what I meant. Um, I always felt like I needed to correct and that would choke a relationship. So, Now, instead, like if there's times of corrections, being poor in spirit and being like, yes, I do need to work on that. You're right. (laughs) Yes, you're right. I did. I did do that wrong. I need to be better as opposed to constantly trying to correct or judge, justify myself or whatever it might be. That's, that that was the little way of St. Therese's, like even like these small corrections that you would get, even if they were wrong, just like joyfully receive them. So rejoice in weakness and humility, as St. Paul says. Um, And you know, have black, have some black coffee, have a colder shower, wake up a little earlier, let others be first um, to choose something. Like if you're at, you know, you're at, at uh, breakfast or dinner, let other people choose their food first before you dig in and pick out your favorite piece of chicken. <laughs> um, admire people, listen and don't talk, pray extra minutes in adoration, liturgy, do pick up liturgy of the hours or read more scripture. So all of these things are doing something by denying yourself something, but choosing the good and choosing the better of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of love for others and for God. And so I'm speaking to myself here too. So, uh, but this is the life of penance and mortification that is normal part of the Christian life. 
And to end this episode, we're going to just go through scripture uh, really quick. A lot of that we already talked about when we talked about the effects of, of penance and mortification, but this is expected, right? So like we already talked about Jesus say, saying, when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast. But he also said things like, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate even his own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. So we see that Jesus talks about um, renouncing ourselves to die to self, to live in a life of grace. Um, he says this too, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And he says in John 15, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. So all of these things that Jesus said is about renouncing your renouncing selves, our lives, or even our very own lives to deny our flesh and to live a life of grace. But it's not just for the sake of renouncing ourselves, but it's to be united in Christ, right? So Jesus himself even says in Luke 22, 26 through 28, that the greatest becomes the youngest and the leader is the one who serves. And you are those who have continued with me in my trials. So Jesus is calling us to continue with him in his trials because he has continued with us in ours. He never leaves us. Will we leave him? Will we be sleeping in the garden of Gethsemane or will we be fasting and praying and be watchful and alert as he calls us to because the flesh is weak and the spirit is willing. So Christ um, calls us to renounce ourselves and for the sake of purifying our intentions and union with him. And then we got some scripture verses from St. Paul and St. Peter. We already talked about Romans 8.13, but just to go, dive into it again, where St. Paul, um, the whole context is living a life in the spirit. So he says this, starting in verse 9 of Romans 8. You are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If the spirit of God really dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. So he talks about if you belong to Christ, if you have the spirit, that means you belong to Christ. If you do not have the spirit, you do not belong to Christ. And how do you know if you are living uh, in the spirit and belong to Christ? And he says this, this is the central point of 813. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, which that the term death right there is mortify, mortify the deeds of the flesh or the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do we know if we have the spirit is if we're practicing penance and mortification by the Holy Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And St. Paul and St. Peter are all about when we do all these things, it's precisely to be united to Christ, intimate relationship with Jesus, to have his life living in us. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4, um, and we're going to start in verse 8 through um, 11. So St. Paul says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair 
persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So here St. Paul is talking again about the beauty of uh, suffering, not for suffering's sake, or penance, not for penance's sake, but to be united to Christ, to be living in the new Adam, to be living in the new garden, to be living a life in the new law of love and the new life of grace. This is the purpose of penance and mortification and the opportunity to unite ourselves to um, Christ and our sufferings. Everybody suffers in this world. Only a Christian living by the Holy Spirit, living in Christ, has redemptive suffering. So in the Christian worldview, suffering and penance and mortification are part of the normal life, but it's also redemptive because we are united to Christ. And very similarly, um, in Galatians 6, at the very end of uh, St. Paul's letter, and this is right after talking about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, he t- says this in Galatians six fourteen, But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So he sees his life as a crucifixion with Christ, to be crucified for the salvation of the world. And in uh, verse 17, he says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So it's this intimate union with Christ in his crucifixion. Like like he says, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. So it's Jesus Christ and him crucified and his life in us to bear the marks on our body, the life of Jesus, to give life to our mortal flesh. And so it's union with Christ. And this whole thing is so that in this life, We are united to Christ crucified so that we can share in his glory. And we'll talk about that in the episode of suffering. And then we jump to St. Peter in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. St. Peter says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same thought. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer by human passion, but by the will of God. This is a perfect, beautiful summary because it's united to Christ and it's if we're suffering in the flesh to in order to put the death, the deeds of the flesh and to say no to sin, no to temptations to sin and to prune and discipline ourselves to be united to Christ, to discipline our human broken uh, passions and to say not my will, but your will be done, Father. That is precisely the life and the purpose of penance and mortification in Christ. And then the last thing I'll say is Um, when we think about all of these things and the purposes and what it's supposed to look like and whatever it is, um, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 through 32, he talks about us truly judging ourselves to really do an examination of conscience. This is what he says. If we judge ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So, a life of a child of God, as Hebrews said, is precisely to have discipline, chastisement, even punishments, to go through sufferings. In this world, everybody goes through sufferings, not for the sake of suffering, but to be united to Christ, to be a true child of God in order to share in God's holiness and to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So let's end this episode in prayer. 
Father, we thank you so much for you being our Father, you being the Master of the Harvest, you being the Vine Dresser. Prune us, Father. Discipline, chastise us, punishment as legitimate sons of you, so that we may share in your holiness and to yield the fruit of righteousness in you, in you, Father. In Jesus, you are our shepherd. You are our Lord, our God, our brother, our Redeemer, our Savior, our uh, our Rabbi and teacher to learn from you, Jesus, to fall under your disciplines, to help us today, Jesus, to deny ourselves, to um, renounce all that we have in our very lives because it belongs to you for the sake of love and make us little children, make us the last of all, the servant of all, the, um, the slave of all so that we may share in your glorification that we would be united to you. Holy Spirit, come and purify our hearts and our intentions. Burn off any impurities in our hearts and our minds and our bodies today that we would live the life of Christ. Come Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit and dwell within us. Increase in us and continue in us today the work that you've already started of of salvation, forgiveness, redemption, sanctification, holiness, justification, and righteousness to become more like Christ, to become more like you, Father, to shine your image everywhere that we go. And come, Holy Spirit, clothe us with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, put on the helmet of salvation, and put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and the sword of the Spirit, and to hold all thoughts captive to Christ, to um, think about whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, excellence, gracious, worthy of praise, to think about these things. And Jesus, we give you our minds and our thoughts to think through for yours, our imagination, creativity, and dreams for yours, our memory for yours, our understanding and our will for yours, our eyes for your vision, our ears for your listening, our lips for your speech, our senses for yours, our face for your countenance, our hands for your work and for a light, uh, for greater healing and to embrace people with your love, our feet for your mission, our heart for your love, our bodies to carry in our bodies your death, to give life to our flesh and to be given up to death for your sake, Jesus so that your life be, your your life may give life to our mortal flesh. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. In the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself up for us. And Jesus, we want to glory and accept nothing except in the cross of you, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have we been crucified to the world and the world to us, that we want to carry the marks of uh, your marks in our body, Jesus, today, for the sake of others to live out the Beatitudes, to live a life of virtue, to not gratify desires of the flesh, but to live and walk in according, in accord with the Spirit and to associate with the lowly, to never be proud or haughty, but to love our brothers and sisters for the salvation of others and for the sanctification and holiness of us and for the world to participate in the world to come. Mm-hmm.